Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back here to a brand new episode of the show. Happy Tuesday, wherever you are at, all across Broncos country, from the South Stands to the end zone. You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Locked On NFL Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Broncos is brought to you by Pepsi, and this football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch the season, the Broncos will host the Buffalo Bills this Saturday, and Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Denver Broncos insider for the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You can follow the podcast at Lockdown Broncos. Like us on Facebook and make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast provider for daily exclusive Denver Broncos news, content, and coverage that you can't get anywhere else. We look Look at the film. We bring you an objective point of view every single day here. Locked on Broncos. Today's episode of the show, folks, it is text message Tuesday. You know what that means. We answer the text message questions that listeners all across Broncos country send in at 303-529-6323. Add yourself to the contact list. I'll add you to mine. And let's talk Broncos football. Plus, we go through our Broncos news and notes as the Broncos defensive backfield will be tested once again after some season-ending injuries occurred in the Denver Broncos 32-27 victory on the road against the Carolina Panthers this past Sunday. So ladies and gentlemen, let's kick things off on today's episode of the show. Some bad news in Broncos country, just very unfortunate for Denver and the defensive backfield in general. The Broncos lost two cornerbacks with a torn ACL altogether and the Broncos cornerback depth is very, very low right now, especially with a pending matchup coming up this Saturday against the Buffalo Bills, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Denver's going to be tested in a big way here, but the MRI that Duke Dawson had on his knee after leaving the first defensive series on a card confirms that he tore his ACL, his MCL, and his LCL. So that's the anterior cruciate ligament, that's the medial collateral ligament, and that's the lateral collateral ligament. So it's going to be a complete reconstruction of his knee on the interior ligaments. Just a, you know, a very unfortunate, and our thoughts go out to Duke Dawson. He was blitzing on the play, too. He just, he was blitzing, and he showed that this guy look planted his foot to the ground and probably about on his fifth step he just had that non-contact buckle of the knee and everything the like I said the interior so the ACL is on the interior of the knee the MCL is on the inside part of your knee and then the LCL is that outer ligament on the outside the exterior of your knee and so you need a lot of that for stability and so for Duke Dawson obviously you know like I said thoughts and prayers for him but the Broncos cornerback depth now is going to be tested and Kevin Tolliver who also was on the Broncos active roster he tore his ACL on a special teams play he is out for the season so in the last two weeks the Denver Broncos have lost three cornerbacks to non-contact ACL injuries it's just an unfortunate nature of it and so for them going forward 
The Broncos going to be thin this week against the Buffalo Bills. Will Parks, he'll get a majority of the snaps inside the nickel for the Broncos through the rest of the season. And it's Sunday's 32-27 victory over the Panthers. He had six tackles and one sack in action. There's still some things that even Will says he's got to polish up, but you know we're going to go back and watch the film. I thought Will initially played really well coming back in to the Vic Fangio system after being in Philadelphia the entire season to start. And, and you know, he really kind of picked off where he left off last year for the Broncos. I mean, he was the third leading tackler on the team. He had Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson as the leading tacklers with seven tackles. Will had six. But for the Broncos cornerback depth right now, it sits at Devontae Bosby, Michael Ojemudia, Will Parks, Elijah Holder, and you also have Nate Harrison, who the Broncos signed last week off the Baltimore Ravens practice squad. So this week, I mentioned Elijah Holder. He converted from cornerback to safety. He's an undrafted rookie free agent out of Stanford. The Broncos really liked him, and he made that transition from the preseason with about two games left from cornerback to safety because that was a position where the Broncos didn't have a lot of depth. But now Elijah Holder will be relied on a little bit this week at the corner position. So if the Broncos have to go dime, it's going to be he and Will Parks inside the slot being able to cover with Devontae Bosby, Michael Jamudi on the outside. So keep an eye on that. And obviously, uh, you know, Harrison is going to get a little bit acclimated this week as well. Don't be surprised if the Broncos scour some other teams' practice squads for some cornerbacks. And, and what that would mean essentially is that those players, from my belief, if the Broncos signed or poached any cornerback off of a practice squad, those players would not be eligible to play on Saturday. So Denver's going to have to roll into Saturday's matchup against the Buffalo Bills who are red hot right now with only five cornerbacks altogether. And if worse comes worse in any emergency situations, the Broncos may have to play uh, Trey Marshall if he's back from his shin injury this week, You know, which is questionable at this point. We have no idea what the status is for Trey Marshall, but they might have to toy with some of the options they have in-house already. And some other Broncos news, Noah Fant and Garrett Bowles, they tested negative on Monday for COVID. There was an initial scare that came down with an illness on game day on Sunday, and it was more than likely suspected due to food poisoning, something they ate the night before. So Saturday evening, they had to stay in Carolina on Sunday overnight and then take a test on Monday morning. That came back negative. So they took a charter plane back to Denver, both Fant and Garrett Bowles. And the Broncos missed them on Sunday, but you know they were still able to perform really well on the offensive side of the ball. Nick Vanette, Troy Fumagalli stepped up at the tight end position in a big way, and Calvin Anderson filled in for Bowles at left tackle. And, and Calvin Anderson, after the game, was very praising of Garrett Bowles for helping him out saying that if it wasn't for Garrett's preparation and mentorship that he probably wouldn't have been ready with three hours notice you know, prior to kickoff uh, for Sunday's action there. So obviously a big shout out to Garrett Bowles and Calvin Anderson. They, they're very close with one another. They've been working very close together. So obviously love that about Garrett, obviously mentoring and, and being part of that as well. But the Broncos, after their offensive performance, quarterback Drew Locke, he's also nominated for the FedEx Air Player of the Week. He and Russell Wilson and Broncos fans can go vote at NFL.com and check it out after Drew Locke's 21 of 27 performance throwing for 280 yards and four touchdowns through the air. He accumulated a passer rating of 149.5, which is the third highest single game passer rating in franchise history behind John Elway and Peyton Manning. So Drew Locke sits there at third right now in team history in terms of highest passer rating in a game. And Drew Locke seems to lie 
like week 14 matchups because that's when he exploded against the Houston Texans last season. So now the Broncos have a tough three-game stretch coming up. Buffalo this upcoming Saturday. This week we'll have a crossover show with Joe Marino of Lockdown Bills. We'll have our pregame show as well for you on Friday and we'll have postgame recap for you Saturday evening which will post on Sunday morning for you as well. So a little bit of a different weekend coming up here for Lockdown Broncos but we got you covered as always. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to get into our text message Tuesday with listeners all across Broncos country at 303-529-6323. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. And this episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Ironically, as we're recording today's podcast, we talked about the Broncos depth at cornerback. And as we're recording, the Broncos, they made a move and they signed an undrafted rookie free agent off the 49ers practice squad in light of their cornerback situation. And they signed cornerback Parnell Motley off of the 49ers practice squad. And Motley is a undrafted rookie free agent out of Oklahoma. And Benjamin Albright, good friend of the show, had mentioned early on in the draft process dating back into April is that he was surprised he did not receive a combine invite because because he was a cornerback that always followed the opposing number one wide receiver wherever they went. So obviously, take a look at Oklahoma, the competition that they played, some of the prolific high-scoring offenses they went against. Parnell Motley was one of the guys that stood out, and so now the Broncos have him on the roster. I'm not entirely sure if he'll be able to play this Saturday against the Buffalo Bills, but that's going to be something we monitor along the way here. But for the Denver Broncos, we're getting into text message Tuesday with our listeners all across Broncos country at 303-529-632. Three and we are going to start things off here from Connor Rafferty. He says, "Hey Cody, good Broncos win." This question is regarding next year with Cortland Sutton coming back. What will be the roles of Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler? Hamler had a breakout game. Patrick is having a breakout year, and Judy draws most of the coverage. Also, how did you think the lack of Sutton this year has impacted Judy's development? Connor, this is a great question, my man. And, and you know, first off, I think that the Broncos will do whatever it takes to bring Tim Patrick back next season. He's in res- he's a restricted free agent, and with Sutton coming back, I mean, you have two legitimate six foot four, six foot five options on the outside. Jerry Judy, KJ Hammer can line up in the slot if the Broncos go two by two. They they have talent there. And I think the top four wide receivers, that's going to be Denver next year. That's going to be Patrick, Sutton, Judy, and Handler. There could be some teams that have strong interest in Tim Patrick because of his size and because of his production this year. But to talk around the Broncos building is that they want Tim Patrick back here in 2021. Now, in terms of how the lack of Cortland Sutton this year has impacted Judy's development, you know, I really believe Judy transitioned to the number one wide receiver spot. And that was the expectation for him. And so teams started committing their game plan to really doing that. Now, a lot of times we see a lot of cornerbacks playing at least maybe sometimes press coverage, but sometimes two to three yards off the ball 
head up leverage, and then a safety over the top. And, and we know Jerry's route running is phenomenal. So the Broncos had to get creative in the sense of how they align Jerry Judy, not just on the outside, but also putting him in the slot as the number two receiver, sometimes in trips as the number three guy. It really depends on that. But Denver's been utilizing him on slap patterns. They've been running him on out routes. They've been running him on deep over routes. And, and those are the routes I think Jerry Judy creates a lot of separation on. It's just consistent quarterback play. And, you know, we've seen that from Drew Locke in these last three games that he has played in. He has played more consistently, and I know Jerry was frustrated after the Kansas City game, but overall, I think the Broncos will be in a better place offensively, especially at the wide receiver position next year once Cortland Sutton returns and once Drew Locke. I mean, I imagine he's going to be the guy again next year with the offense coming back and having that continuity. So that's something that's just my opinion there, but I do think that you know it has impacted Judy's development from the sense of he's had to do a little bit more, and you know it's a learning process. He hasn't had really the year he's expected, and a lot of people are going to be looking at Justin Jefferson, his production in Minnesota, and they're going to try to minimize what Jerry Judy's been able to do, but the situations aren't comparable in any way, shape, or form. Frank Sildano says even 7-9 would be a respectable finish given the injuries to key players and their youth. That would be something that they could build upon. Absolutely, Frank. You know, that was the thing that I said, too, last week after the Kansas City Chiefs game is I, I felt like the Broncos had a legitimate chance to win the next four games, right? They, they beat Carolina, and it was a tough game. It was a, it was a grind-em-out game. They got a little too close in the fourth quarter, allowing Carolina to score 17 points in that quarter alone. And then, you know, you face a tough Buffalo Bills team. that They're just red hot right now. They're a favorite for the AFC Championship alongside the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're a perennial Super Bowl contender right now. Denver schedule's tough there. And then you of the Los Angeles Chargers, who I, you know, I think are absolutely beatable in a sense. Once again, you're going to be on the road there. And I think the Las Vegas Raiders are also beatable as well. They'll be traveling to Denver at this point. I think Denver has a chance to finish 8-8, eight and eight, but you know what? If they finish 7-9, and nine, despite all the things that have happened this season, I, I'd say that's a victory, in my opinion. You know, and, and there's going to be people who say, well, hey, Cody, there's no moral victories in the NFL. When you factor in all the circumstances, the adversity, the amount of players, the amount of key players, starters that this team has lost in 2020 due to injuries due to COVID, time lost their suspension. I would say that the way that they've competed and, and if they finish that thing, I would have a lot of respect for them. And I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of respect for Denver as well. Steve Cochran's up next. He says, hey, Cody, great game to watch yesterday. Do you think that all of these injuries could have a positive impact for the Broncos moving forward by playing our rookies and our backups? It's almost like they are getting training camp for next year early and our staff will have a better idea of what they can do and where we may need to improve. I think our defense has balled out without Von Miller, Mike Pers- Sale, Jarrell Casey, AJ Boyer, etc. Absolutely, Stephen. You know, here's the deal, too. You're playing a lot of young guys. It's that trial by fire mentality. It's the mantra we throw out there. And you're going to learn a lot about your players, your young guys. You're going to learn a lot about your veterans. And Denver has been playing in the fire all season long. And, you know, they have to deal with the media talking about them. They have to deal with all the fan outrage. A lot of fans unhappy with what's been going on. But, you know, when you look at the overall game and you go back and you watch the film and you factor in the circumstances, this is a football team that has competed their tail off and I, I think it's going to make them absolutely better going into next season. And not to ma- not to make any excuses either. Denver has the toughest strength of schedule in the NFL in 2020. And I would say because of that, I felt like they've done a good job. And, and like I said, you're just one or two games away. A couple of mistakes where Denver could have won a few games early on in the season. And this is a whole entirely different conversation. You know, Denver, they still have a chance at the playoffs. They have a chance at an outside chance at the wild card if they can win out and, and the Raiders can lose a couple of games. But, uh, you know, I, I think the focus for Denver's got to be one game at a time. 
what can they do to improve this week? And then what can they do to improve next week, the next week, be you know, after that, and then go into free agency in the NFL draft with a clearer vision as to what they can do going forward. But I think there are so many things that they can build on that'll make them better going into 2021. Tom Walker's up next. He says, how did Natani Muti do in his first game at right guard? You know, Tom, I went back and I did a, a game broadcast rewatching. I thought he did well for the most part. I got to see the all 22, the end zone angle, which is just coming out now. So I'm going to begin my film study as well. You should have that up on the YouTube channel today at around uh, probably 12 o'clock mountain time. So we'll take a look at that. But there were times where they ran some power with him. They pulled him out and I thought he did a good job kicking out the guy, the end man on the line of scrimmage, creating some space for Melvin Gordon, the running backs to get free. So uh, we're going to go back and watch it and get a more definitive analysis as to that. But I, I think the first initial look through is that he did pretty well. A couple more here that we're going to continue on with our text message Tuesday as well. Elijah Riley says, do you think that the running back and the wide receiver rooms change this upcoming offseason? I think the offensive line room is starting to come together and has great depth now. I think that for the Broncos offensive line, you're going to get Juwan James back next year in terms of running back. It's really tough to say because Phil Lindsay is going to be a restricted free agent. Melvin Gordon more than likely is going to be suspended the first three games of the 2021 NFL season. He had his court date yesterday and it got motioned. It got moved into mid-January. So at this point, the season will probably be over for Denver already. So he'll go through the court process there, which means that the NFL will then hand down the suspension, which is likely to impact him through the first three games of 2021. So that really puts the Broncos in a tough position because look, you got to pay Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is going to be a restricted free agent. He's going to get some offers from some teams. It's up to Denver to match that. And I think the Broncos will do that because obviously they're going to be without Gordon for the first three games of 2021 more than likely. Wide receiver, you know, as I mentioned before, I don't imagine much change. You could see Deshaun Hamilton go somewhere. The Broncos could look to trade him somewhere. Uh, you know, when you look at the young depth of KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton coming back off of an ACL. And I think the Broncos, like I said, from what I've been told, they want to keep Tim Patrick around. So I think the, the wide receiver room won't be too different. And then Tyree Cleveland's obviously going to be back in Denver next year as well. So Denver's got the guys in that room, a lot of young, promising and exciting talent. And uh, Coach Zach Azani, I think, has done a very phenomenal job so far with that. Jeff Gradle says, if we finish with a top 12 pick, what position or players would you be interested? He says that his are linebacker to cover tight ends like a Micah Parsons. What are your thoughts on the Notre Dame linebacker? Uh, right tackle, the Virginia Tech kid or the Texas offensive tackle, cornerback, the Virginia Tech kid, Horn or Sertain. You know, Jeff, right now, I'm not too focused right now on the NFL draft because there's so many different variables right now that in terms of free agency, the overall internal roster space with the cap room. Uh, come back to me with that question probably in the next month or so once the season is over. Then we can kind of project a little bit where things are at for this Broncos football team. But Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to continue our discussion here. Text message Tuesday with the avid listeners all across Broncos country. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. That's our friends over there at Built Go. And Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do, and they help you break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or a physical wall, break through it every day with Go. Easy to take in easy-to-take one-and-a-half-ounce packages, you could put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, or you could put it in your pocket to get through the day. Bilko is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results that comes in three delicious flavors, chocolate coconut, peanut butter honey, and chocolate mint. How does Bilko work so well? Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein. It's fast-absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy 
easy on the stomach. Bilco is loaded with good stuff to help ignite my work like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. Collagen also promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go Broncos country. Continuing on here on Text Message Tuesday, folks, we're getting to Peter Terranova, and Peter says, I know Fant was sick yesterday, but should we start to become nervous about his availability going forward with the Broncos? It seems like he's always dinged up, and it would be a shame for someone of his talent to be riddled by injuries. Peter, I you know, and I think the thing with Fant that not a lot of people realize is that he has been playing banged up all season long. He has not been 100%. He's fought through injuries. They've given him limited days in practice just to try to give his body the best chance to recover. He's been going out there and and powering through it. And for Denver, I mean, I, I think it's easy for fans to say, like, you know, hey, this guy is, you know, made of glass. He's injury prone, but Fan has never recovered from his injury. He has been just constantly just going and, and powering through it, trying to get the best medical treatment and recovery in season as possible. But once you're in season, you're never going to be 100%. And so any injuries that you have, and, and really it's been the ankle injury for him, and then he had a rib injury for a few weeks as well. When you don't get those to fully heal because there's some scar tissue buildup, obviously in the ankles around the ligaments, some calcium, things he talk about that, it, it really limits what you're able to do. So he's been able to tough it out, but he's going to get, you know, healthy this offseason. It's going to give him a chance to come back in 2021, I think, a lot better and, and more prepared probably than this year. He's going to get an offseason program. More than likely, our fingers are crossed with that. The NFL could have a normal offseason, but obviously everything is up in the air right now. PJ the Burr says, I was really impressed with Natani Muti this week and a spot start for the injured Graham Glasgow. Is there a best five lineup that features both of them? I would think at a six foot six, Glasgow has the length to play outside. What keeps him from playing right tackle? Is it just lack of experience or something in his skill set? Well, he's always been an interior offensive lineman, right? You have some guys that are swing players that can play both tackle and guard, but Graham Glasgow is a guard center. He's a swing guard center. He's always an interior guy. And it's not because, you know, I don't think he wants to play on the outside too, because I don't think it just has that lateral movement and that explosiveness. And from a lateral standpoint, when you're going against a speed rush or some nickel guys off the edge, he is struck. His strength is to be better suited on the interior. So I don't think at this point we're going to see Natani Muti unless Graham Glasgow is continually, to, you know, if he's still injured at this point, there's a chance he can come back this Saturday against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but, you know, for Muti, it was originally planned to be a redshirt year. But with the injury to Glasgow and with Schlotman being one of those guys that they want to throw in, they also wanted to see where Muti was out. And so they were able to throw him in there. But, uh, yeah, ideally the best starting five lineup going into 2021 is going to be Garrett Bowles. It's going to be Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry. It's going to be Graham Glasgow and Juwan James next season here for the Broncos. Michael Bullen says, is the way that Gordon's playing mean that Philip Lindsay's probably headed out soon? Not necessarily, no. And, and as I mentioned earlier, the pending suspension coming for Melvin Gordon means that the Broncos need to have Philip Lindsay back on the roster. I mean, Denver loves Lindsay, and I, there's a part of me that feels like he had the turf toe injury in week one. He was out a little bit. They had the concussion. He comes back. Part of me worries about whether or not the Broncos use that as a negotiating tactic to say, look, man, you were injured this year. You know, we're not going to pay you what you want. We're going to pay you what we feel like is reasonable, even though that Phillip has already put in 2,000-yard seasons as an undrafted rookie free agent. His value speaks for itself, and Denver's got to find a way to better utilize him in the run game. You know, like I said, teams know that the Broncos are running the football 
when Philip Lindsay is in the game, when he is in there. Now, there are a couple times they used him in pass pro, and he actually had a great block this past Sunday out of pass pro. He just cut one of the outside guys coming after Drew Locke and did a very phenomenal job, got back up and turned into a receiver after that. So Denver, in my opinion, they need to pay Phil. And like I said, my only worry is that they're going to use the production, the struggles that Philip has had this season running the football. Uh, I don't necessarily believe it's on him, and you have a lot of fans of Broncos country that have all of a sudden turned on Philip Lindsay. I don't understand it. Doesn't make any sense to me, but I, I think Phil's back in Denver. But if not, look, he's going to go to a contender, and he's going to he's going to make the Broncos pay for it for a long, long time. I mean, I could really see that happening if Denver were to let him go. Tommy Kraft says, "Has Drew turned the corner on turnovers?" You know, Tommy, I don't know yet. You know what we saw from Drew yesterday. What we saw from Drew on Sunday, I think, was a step in the right direction. Now, obviously, he did have the one turnover, the fumble on the sack, which, look, when you're getting hit, you got to find a way to still protect that football. He thought he was down, but it came out probably a couple inches before he touched the ground and, and would have been ruled down. Just got to protect the football. But his overall decision-making in terms of the passing game, we're going through it on the film review, I thought he did a pretty good job for the most part. And when his feet are set, I mean, he can he can make any throw. That was the thing. And the Broncos offensive line several times, I think, gave him a lot of time when he was able to take some of those drop backs and stand in the pocket, set his feet, and then throw, he looked pretty damn good. Kyle Manji says, what is keeping the Broncos from making the playoffs when Cortland Sutton comes back? Is he going to be the factor that keeps the offense on the field and the defense off the field? We are in a tough division and have to keep the defense off the field from getting too tired. You know, Kyle, I think Cortland Sutton's going to be an X factor for sure because look, his size, and, and I mentioned it with Tim Patrick too, when you have two players of the size of Sutton and Patrick on the outside, Patrick can play both on the inside and the outside. Same thing for Sutton. He can play as the number two guy. He can play as the guy on the outside as the number one receiver on whatever side of the field the Broncos line him up in. You have options. And and what we've seen from Cortland Sutton is in the red zone. He's been one of those big play guys. He's that goal line guy. He's the deep ball guy. I mean, even in the Pittsburgh Steelers game where he tore his ACL, what was one of the first plays we saw from Drew Locke? It was a deep bomb down the left side. I believe it was for 44 yards or 37 yards, one or the other, but it was a deep play down the left side. We've seen that play, right? We saw that last year when Drew Locke came into the final five games of the season of 2019. We really haven't seen too much of that this year because, look, Denver didn't really have that guy, but Tim Patrick has emerged as the Broncos red zone guy. He's got six touchdowns in the red zone this season for Denver. That right there is highly efficient, so Denver wants that back. It's going to make them better, and having all these options, I mean, you see some of these teams that don't have the, the options that they do, and you wonder like dang you know what what happens if you know a guy like Aaron Rodgers gets all these weapons look Devontae Adams is a weapon down there in Green Bay don't get me wrong about that but these other prolific guys if Aaron Rodgers had the receiving core the the skill players that Kansas City had Aaron Rodgers would be the MVP every single year not stop no joke they'd go to the Super Bowl with that type of talent at tight end and all the wide receiver positions so for Denver I'd say why not look you're in a division that has the highest scoring offense in the NFL one of the top tier offenses there and you have to find a way to be able to match point for point how do you do that you have to have talent you have to have skill guys so I think for Denver that's the best bet there Anthony Peters is up next and he says hey Cody what are your thoughts on the job that Calvin Anderson and Tani Muti did yesterday I think that both have a long-term future with Denver I think Anderson could possibly be groomed as a long-term starter at right tackle good to see them get playing time you know Denver could possibly look at Calvin Anderson's I mean he is a young guy he is learning under Mike Munchak he was on the Broncos 53-man roster last season in 2019 unbeknownst to a lot of people and he filled in I, I think relatively nicely at left tackle even though he's probably more suited right now at the right tackle position He's just one of those guys that's developing, and I think it's good for Denver. But, you know, initially, Calvin Anderson and Tani Muti for the day that Drew Locke had, the day that the Broncos offense had, I think for the most part, they did a pretty good job. 
And we have time here for a few more folks on today's episode, Locked on Broncos and your favorite podcast provider. And it comes in from Ian Mestis. He says, well, it finally happened. Locke played at his highest level yet, and I can't be more happy. Been seeking glimmers of that explosive offense all season. Part of me was thinking on Sunday when the Broncos were playing is that it's ironic that the Broncos offense explodes the way that it did and the defense in the second half struggles the way that it did. It's just like one of those days. And then, of course, special teams, McManus misses two extra points. Those were the things that we were looking at there. And I was just like, man, this is just the NFL is weird. I mean, every Sunday you're going to get something like that. And, and luckily, the Broncos overcame that and they were able to win. Drew Welch is up next. He says, thoughts on team chemistry and fit for the young Broncos receivers. Judy's comments last week bothered me a little bit. And I understand his frustrations as a young receiver with elite potential. But then I look at Hamler and how he is shining and finding his place in this offense. Is it an issue of mindset for Judy right now? Still developing trust, chemistry in the offense? Thanks for your thoughts. This is a good question, Drew. Now, I don't necessarily believe there's a right or wrong to this in terms when it comes to Jerry Judy. Like I said last week, I think Jerry Judy, he's he's a player. He's, he's, he's a grown man that has been so used to winning and hardly ever losing when he was at college. And then coming in and you, you, know, you start your career off as a losing season so far, you have a chance to go 500 if you win these next three games. But for Judy, Judy, it's just been frustration because he is the number one wide receiver right now for Denver. He is the first round draft pick. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of pressure. And Jerry Judy does put a lot of pressure on himself. But you know, I think for him, he's just got to find the ebbs and flows of it. Look, he had fun in Sunday's game. Tim Patrick did his dance. and you know He was in there as well. He was very happy for KJ Hamler. And, and so for Jerry Judy, he just wants to make the most of the opportunities that he has. So when he is targeted, he wants to be able to do it. And when he gets open, he wants to be able to get the ball. I still think that they're developing a lot of trust and chemistry on the offensive side of the ball, though. Our last one of the day here, folks, and it's going to come from Robert Monkhouse. He says, what is your opinion moving forward with the coaching staff, especially being so close with Kansas City last week and a good game this week? You know, Robert, I think the Broncos need to run it back. I think they need to bring the same coaching staff back. Now, you can debate that. Tom McMahon probably will be, uh, you know, there could be a chance that he's let go by the Broncos. They could make a couple of position coach changes. But for the most part, I think that Denver's going to return in 2020 with the same exact staff and and look special teams has played really well in my opinion since the Miami game so when you factor that in I mean is it enough to save Tom McMahon's job I'm not sure but Deontay Spencer getting a return touchdown I think Denver personnel wise they're very pleased with the guys that they have in on special teams now in comparison to probably week seven or, or week six any of those weeks prior it wasn't as great but now they're getting contributions from a lot of young guys Josh Watson has really emerged as a key special teams player for Denver which is a big reason why None of us have seen Mark Barron play for the Broncos yet this year. So so I think the Broncos need to keep the staff intact and, and run it back next year. But Broncos country, that'll do it for today's episode. Locked on Broncos text message Tuesday. I appreciate all of your insights, your comments, and your thoughts as always. Just a reminder, you can get this podcast every single day on the Locked on Broncos podcast, your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Spotify. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of the show. Patrick Chiodi and myself, we're going to talk about some of the biggest storylines right now for this Denver Broncos football team as the team prepares for a Saturday showdown against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen.